Viva Voce. My name is Meg. And my name is Adam. And this week, listeners, we have for you the letter T. T for Tetris. Tetris. No, not Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've become a real talking head all of a sudden yeah. with, your, with your droll voice. Your, yeah. Your, uh, oh, well, how about that, ladies? So, this week, uh, we are in Canada. We are in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be in Canada for uh, just a couple more days before we head on over to New York. Yep. And that's because, well, partly the reason why we started this podcast in the first place is because I was a PhD student in London and I am a PhD student in New York. But I've actually never been to New York uh, we have been to study. To New York. Yeah, but to study. To rather. study. Exactly. So, he's coming to help me. Um, to move. And you're snuffly today. I am snuffly. I've got a runny nose. I'm sneezing a lot. I think I've got hay fever. I hope it's hay fever. I definitely hay fever. Because my eyes are itchy too. Okay, good. And I don't think that's a symptom of COVID. No. Do you, you like scratch your eyeballs? Yeah, you ever got a cut across your eyeball from scratching them? That's so disgusting. I'm joking. I've never actually. You don't. Oh my god! I literally the top of your eyes. You don't like. You're not actually scratching your eyeball. Oh my god! I literally like felt my stomach turn. I hate anything with the eyes. I hate anything with the eyes and the belly button. That's like disgusting. That's like no go zones for me. Okay, well, what have you been drinking? So we've both been drinking this delightful um, organic Cabernet Sauvignon from Ango Family Winemakers from South Australia. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, indeed. And it's a drink that we were supposed to consume for a uh, get together we had the past uh, weekend. Yep. But we, we, we consumed loads of other drinks yeah, instead. And we never got around to it. So we're yeah. drinking it now and we've also imbibed in some other treats. Mm, indeed, indeed, indeed. indeed. Oh, I guess we'll Cigarettes. leave it at that. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh. Of, of a certain variety. Okay. So. <laughs> do you want to do some banter before we start? Or I mean, what is there to be. I mean,. Have you ever thought about about Canada's name? It sounds like like you're firing someone, like Canada. No, I think it's actually um like an indigenous uh, word. It's like but, Ojibwe or something like that, yeah. and it actually means like land of the longhouses or something. This like isn't that. a great endorsement of your, your country's education about its history if you don't know the yeah, meaning of your country's own name. I mean, we were taught it. I'm sure. I just. I just don't remember it like clearly. If that inspirational makes sense. stuff. Inspirational well, you know, stuff. Uh, you know, things around the world these days they've been it's been kind of bleak. Yeah. Uh, it's it it hasn't been very hunky dory in a long time. Don't you agree? I agree. Uh, so I think it's better that we what's might the, as well. What's the story in Balamori? Uh, Every I can't remember how that song goes. There's something about hunky dory in Balamori. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, speaking of bleak, we might as well <laughs> get into <laughs> Well, yeah, the, the bleak shores of Balamore. Exactly. So it's your turn to present this week. It is. It's the letter T for Tetris Titties. Uh, why don't you Why don't you take it away? Okay, so let's talk about Tetris. I've heard this one's quite long. You've you've you. Okay, so listeners, he hasn't told me anything about the um. But I've been bragging how yeah, long. Yeah, he's been it bragging is. about how long it is. So take that as you will. I've been like, Meg, you're not you're not ready. You're not oh, ready. 
right. And I, I, I realize now, in, in retrospect, right. I might have been over-egging it. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I we'll can see. take your time, we'll you know. See. We'll, we'll see. see where it goes. Okay, so what do you know about Tetris? So I know that it's obviously a computer game. It I is. know That's that a brilliant start reason- for setting the word. Hey, oh, listen, okay? okay. I, and uh, it's called Tetris because there's only four blocks. Yeah. No, sorry. There are structures that contain four squares. If exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I yeah. mean. Polygons that are based on four yeah, squares yeah. joined together. That's what I mean. And I know that there are different colors. I know that um, there's like nice music. Sure. Um, and I know the point of it is to kind of when when as the little blocks drop down, you obviously don't you want all the holes to be filled. Okay. Sure. So the, and they disappear when they're filled. Sure. Sure. That's what sure. I mean. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. So when you when you think about the imagery of Tetris, when you think you when you visualize Tetris in your mind and you playing Tetris, what what's in the background? What kind of aesthetic is there? It's like um, it's like kind of early video games. Like there's usually like a gray background but the little col- like the okay. little cubes are colored and stuff okay. like that sure. that's what i usually think of okay so i actually yeah. have a very different imagery in my mind okay well yeah maybe. based based on so i i used to play it on the on the game boy advance sp i love which that was the, yeah. which was the flip up that's game where boy. i played pokemon leaf green okay did you you never had tetris as a cartridge though i take no it. i didn't i always played it on the computer so i used to have um 101 games on a cartridge right which was basically like really small games from the early early game boy that had been ported to the newer game boy but provided as one cartridge as opposed to like you know a separate cartridge for each game right so a lot of the little games stuff like castlevania and obviously tetris battleships as well battleships is quite popular now the imagery that it invokes is me is russian why? Because all of the old, really old ones used to have like a little like the the one I remember playing like had little illustration of red square in the background. Hmm. So you used to play it and it used to be like red square and like the like yeah no no yeah yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. sure um, is that because Tetris is Russian? It's because Tetris is Russian. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly, cool. exactly, right. exactly. Sure. Um, so how how long ago was Tetris invented? Ooh, I will say maybe the seventies or eighties. 80s, so yeah, okay. pretty much bang on. So 1984. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, Tetris invented in 1984 for the Cold War. Yeah, for <laughs> for the Electronica. Okay. Uh, and Electronica is spelt with two Ks and a C. Nice. Um, 60, uh, which is a Soviet era computer. And to add a little bit of shadowing to this, I'm going to talk a little bit about sort of personal computing in the in the era of, of, of in the soviet era so in the soviet era personal computing in in the soviet union was not not a concept basically so you know in the in the mid to late 80s all of a sudden people were starting to think about computers in the home in several forms in in the form of the 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 word editor the text editor you know the the, the, the like essentially a, a Sort of, like Word documents? Like a word processor, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. So, you know, just uh, in the form of personal home computers or comu- uh, uh, personal computers at home um, and in the form of video games and in the form of, of game systems, right? So these are the sort of three avenues of entry into the Western household for um, computers. Uh, and obviously, you know, the age of modern computing and the age of personal computing is very much upon us by comparison to the 80s. But in the Soviet Union, there was no real concept of personal computing. So... 
Although the Soviet did manufacture their own computers, and although the Soviets were actually on a on a on a technical level capable of designing a perfectly competent computer, the issue that the Soviet Union really faced was being able to manufacture it reliably. Right, production just simply wasn't very good because they didn't have the workforce skilled enough to produce, you know, the various chips, technology, blah blah blah, blah whatever. Sure. So anyway, so computing was limited pretty much to a few research institutes in in, in Moscow and around Russia. Um, and they had a few brands of computers. So one of them was the Electronica 60. So the... So it's a bunch of early computer scientists playing Tetris. Though. Exactly, 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 right. Um, so as you've already explained, you know, it's a game that consists of various polygons being assorted over a row. So it's invented by a guy called Alexei Pajitnov. Uh, so Alexei Pajiknov is this uh, speech recognition researcher at the, and I'm going to get this wrong, so oh bear boy. with me, Dorodnitsyn Computing Center, or was at the Dorodnitsyn Computer Center, because okay. this is obviously a Soviet-era institution, yes. bear in mind. Um, and he was hired there, um, obviously, to do research into speech recognition, right? Um, and, you know, so no real personal computers, whatever, right? So Tetris became this sort of passion project of Pajitnov, you know, um, and it was a game based on a game from his childhood based on uh, pentaminos, which are the sure. same as Tetraminos. But five. But five, yes, right? So yeah. five squares instead of four, right? Not, not really complicated. He chose four, pe- uh, four te- uh, Tetraminos rather as opposed to pentamino, uh, Pentraminos. Okay. Because it essentially simplified the number of possible combinations. Okay, so right? is it called dominoes because there's only two of them? Yeah. Okay. So dom for two, you know, and then yeah. um, obviously tetra. So with tetra, there's only seven different ways that these can be, uh, the, 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 poly, the polygons can be shaped. Obviously, they can be rotated, so that gives you all of those combinations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so with pentraminos, obviously, there's a lot more combinations, which makes it all the more complex, right, if that makes sense. Anyway, so, uh, you know, he designs this game, which is basically about, like, filling up this, like, rectangle with uh, with, uh, tetraminos. He then realizes that, obviously, this fills the screen really quickly. And so the sort of key mechanic of the game Tetris is born, which is whenever a full line is completed, you delete it, right? And when you hit the top, then the game's over. Exactly. Um, And so no, there's no concept of points in this version of the game. There's no concept of scoring or anything like that. It was just this idea of, well, you know, I need more space. I might as well delete that row, right? Yeah. Um, And so, you know, Within weeks of its release, within weeks of him showing it to his colleagues at the Institute, it is on all of these research computers all yeah. over Russia. That's right? cool. Not not any personal computers, obviously, because there's no personal computers in Russia, really. Yeah. You know, it's but it's all over these like uh, you know research computers. Uh, it makes its way to a medical institute where it actually is found to harm productivity so much that the guy who asked for it had it removed from the wow. computers. Yeah, so. You know, Tetris blows up so in cool. in the Russian computing circles, which, as I've tried to highlight here, are limited at the yes. time, right? Anyway, so so Pachinov obviously goes along. And he's you know he's thinking, I want to share Tetris, you know, beyond the Soviet Union. Um, How do I export this? How do yeah, I get this? Yeah, exactly. But for obvious reasons, this is very difficult because we're still in the Cold War. You know, the Cold War is coming to an end at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like whether you like it or not, and, and depending on, I, I don't want to get into political analysis here the u.s was winning the cold war at this point right 
you know, wealth was proving to be, you know, something that, that the West naturally created because it had a metric for optimizing wealth, right? Yes. Whether that was good or bad, yeah. that was the short term yeah. maximization of profit. Exactly, right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but within the Soviet Union, they had no real concept of personal intellectual property, right? Mm-hmm. So there was no concept of this idea that, well, I created it, therefore I deserve remuneration for what I've done and what I've created, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so anyway, you know, you know, for additional reasons that I know too well, you know, people above him at the Research Institute weren't happy that despite him being a speech recognition researcher, he had produced Tetris, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know this from being someone who has frequently built stuff in my spare in, in, in my spare time you know on top of work that has you know sometimes attracted the chagrin of some of my supervisors who yeah. are thinking well why aren't you focusing on like what we've exactly. hired you for right? exactly um yeah adam why did you have to invent like a world famous what yeah. would eventually become a world famous yeah. uh, you know timeless uh computer game exactly exactly so anyway uh, you know Pagetnov essentially signed over the rights to Tetris to the Academy, wow. you know, in order cool. to allow for its distribution. Big you know, and and from this he got a small report reward from his like superior and the guy he signed it over yeah. to, which is a guy named Victor Brjabrin. Okay, Brjabrin. So it's B R Jabrin. I'm sure that there's a bunch of Russian speakers right now screaming at the speaker, thinking that is atrocious. Um, now the reason he signed over to to Victor is because he's he he knows about world outside of the outside of the Soviet Union and he knows how to get this exported right. So, you know, Bradman um, you know sends it on to a Hungarian games games developer called Nova Trade, uh, and then it spreads via floppy disk through Hungary oh. and Eastern and Central Can't Europe. Get those you know. Discs out. Exactly, as far as Poland, you know. Oh so, can I just say the yeah. thing I love about floppy disks as a kid, right? Because like when we grew up, uh, it, kind of in the early two thousands and stuff like that. Like we were born in like the late nineties, but you know, obviously, uh, kind of lived in the early two thousands. Is that floppy disks looked like cheese slices? They did. Yeah. They did. They did. They did. Um, so anyway, it spread through Eastern Europe and Central Europe as far as Poland on floppy disk. Obviously, the problem with Eastern Eastern Europe at this point and, and Central Europe at this point is that they didn't really have any like economic soup companies, right? You know, the US was starting to develop software companies mm-hmm. and stuff like this, and, and real powerhouse software companies, yeah. right? But you know, uh, this is not so much true in Central and Eastern Europe, so it sort of remained a novelty within Eastern and Central Europe. Anyway. In June 1986, a guy called Robert Stein, who is a, a British software salesman, discovered Tetris yeah. um, on a business trip to Hungary, yeah. right? And he's just like, damn. He's like, damn, wow. I this gotta is, get this. this I is... gotta get this into the free world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right. So Stein initially contacted the Academy, which is the guy that obviously holds the rights because he's been told, well, you know, we got, you know, Nova Trade have told, well, yeah, we got the rights from this Academy in, in yeah. Russia, right? So he's contacted the Academy, and the Academy's gone, Okay, don't care, right? Very indifferent, right? Um, so, you know, Stein's gone, well, I really want to get hold of this game. I'm going to contact Paginov and Brad, uh, Bradman <laughs> directly, right? Yeah. Uh, seeking to obtain the rights, right? So he's contacted Paginov and, and Bradman via fax. 
yeah, this is Give gonna, me your Tetris game. Get, get ready for a lot of culturally, yeah. like, technological references, Give right? Give me your Tetraminos on your cheese slice. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they've expressed interest in making a deal, but they've never really formalised anything at this yeah. point, right? So he's got a fax, right? However, you know, with intellectual property, it's something like this, right? You know, like, an expression of interest in terms of licensing is often enough for sub-licensing already. You can you can often go out and sign the preliminary deals just by saying, look, I've... And this is, bear in mind, this is in the age, this is not current legal advice, I'd like to add. Yeah. But, you know, people can go, okay, well, I've got this guy on a fax. He said to me, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in giving you the rights. Yeah. I can now go on to someone and say, hey, will you pay me? Yeah. For the sub right, and there's a lot of reasons behind this. Least of all that you know, when with the Soviet Union stuff like that, right? You kind of had to go and get the preliminary agreements that you could make money from it before you could then sign the agreements to pay. So it's kind of like an investment, is that? Yeah, sense? exactly. Yeah. He's kind. Stein at this point is kind of a middleman, right? Exactly. Who's going? I can see. I can't make this myself, but I can see the value in it being made. Yes. If I can acquire the rights to it from. A and sell them on to B. Yeah. I can make profit in the middle, right? Sure, makes sense. Um. Anyway, so yo, so he's got this fact that's kind of like, yeah, we're interested in doing this deal with you. So Stein starts hunting for studios to develop and release this game, and eventually sublicenses Tetris to two companies, a company called Mirosoft. Okay. Uh, which sounds very. I, I read, Microsoft sounds really like Resident Evil. Like so, I read this. Or I read this first time. I just thought it said Microsoft. <laughs> so I was like, well, it was obviously Microsoft, but no, yeah, it's a company Microsoft. called Microsoft, sure. uh, which is a British British video games development company that was a subsidiary of the Mirror Group of newspapers in England. Sure. Uh, like or, Daily Mirror. Yeah, like the Daily Mirror. Yeah. Exactly right. Okay. Um, meanwhile, it's also sold in the US to a company called Spectrum Holobyte. Um, which is an American games company that held the rights for North America. Wow. So, right, as Stein was agreeing all of these licensing deals, there was this one tiny detail, right, uh, which is that he didn't actually have a contract with the owners of the intellectual property itself, yeah. who were... Like the Russians, the Ruskies. But who specifically? The Academy. Yeah, the Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the thing, right? He had an agreement on paper with, with Pajitnov and Bradadkin. Exactly, with the people that ended up yeah. giving the rights over to this other group. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, Mirosoft and Spectrum Holobyte start to build two versions of the game for a bunch of platforms. The Amiga, the Atari, the ZX Spectrum, yeah. the Commodore 64, yeah. uh, the Amstrad CPC, yeah. if you've ever heard of Amstrad. Yeah. Um, that's a very British computer brand, that is actually, yeah. Uh, um, and the ZX Spectrum, for that matter. The ZX Spectrum is very British as well. Um, so interesting, you know, the US version retains the, the the US version that's been developed by Spectrum Holobyte. It retains this very Russian aesthetic, you know, red colors, Cyrillic text, you know, uh, you know, images of Russia, Russian parts. Yeah, but you can't have that when you bring it into like the Western world, right? But you can, and they did. Okay. Okay. So you know, because okay. that's not the Tetris I grew up playing. With. Well, they released it. They yeah. released it in the US, and it was you know hugely successful. Can obviously. I just say, mine was so freaking like. I don't know, edited or re-updated that sure. I didn't even know was from Russia. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. you're telling me it, it had its it had its it, Russian it did, flair. It did have its Russian flair yeah. in the very old version. Now I see why you were playing Boney M. Yeah. Well, actually, I was playing that because I heard it on Love Island okay. earlier. There it is. Uh, short advert there short for advert. our... Oh, check out... <laughs> <laughs> for our Love Island podcast. Yeah, if you're interested in Love Island reality uh, television... Uh, series seven check out our um podcast that we um 
release every Tuesdays. Anyway, so um, so the game sold loads of copy, hundreds of thousands. You know, swept the gaming awards that year. However, okay. Stein Stein still doesn't yeah, hold exactly. any rights to this game, right? Um, and he had no right to license it to anyone. So Stein's you know reached out to Pajitnov, um and a negotiation negotiation ensues, right? So Stein's offered seventy five percent share of the of the income. Or as he said, I'll give you 75% yeah. of whatever I make, right? Um, and Elog, which is the, the the electronic organization, which is like what they call yeah. of Russia, right? Has this monopoly on exporting and importing yeah. computing systems, right? Um, so Elog's come back and the Soviet Union organization has said, yo, uh, we want 80%. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes back and forth. A contract is agreed. So eventually, a ten-year license deal is agreed for computer systems. Mm-hmm. Okay, and here's the key word I want you to watch out for: is computer systems. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think: what is a computer to you? Yeah, it's okay. Well, it's like I mean, back then, it don't overthink like a it. Box. No, don't overthink it. What's a computer to you? Screen. Screen. Yeah. And keyboard. Keyboard. Okay. Yeah. Is an Xbox computing system then? I mean. Don't 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 think about but, your your. But, but if no I said to in, you, is that a computer yeah, to you is, is like in common Ninten- parlance? Yeah, is the Nintendo sixty four a computer? Right, is the Atari yeah. computer? No, no, right. Okay, excellent. So yeah, so this is the kind of thing that's been agreed, right? Yeah. So all of this time, Pajitnov and Bradbin uh, don't know the game is literally already on sale, and you know ultimately don't see any of the profits coming in. <laughs> no, they're not making any money off this, oh, right? You know. Yeah. Um, however, and and this I think is very beautiful. Uh, Pajitnov would later go on to say that the fact that so many people enjoy my game is enough for me, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway. Yeah, but what about those big money cats making the okay. crop? I know, cash? right? So, so essentially, everyone so far has made money. You yeah, know, you've got two company. Yeah. You've got a British company known for peddling right wing like propaganda yeah. and software. Now, yeah. apparently, making a bunch of money. You've got another company in the US, you know, making a bunch of money, right? And, you know, they're thinking, well, I'm here thinking, well, you know, the only person that hasn't made any money off there, well, besides the small fee that Bradman gave him, exactly. is the guy that actually came up with this phenomenal success. And no one seems to even really care, you know. So in 1988, Henk Rogers, who's a, a Dutch game developer, um, you know, is hunting for uh, games to develop for the Japanese market. Oh, crap. And he approaches... Uh, uh, you know, and so you know, he's thinking, you know, what games kind of about for the Japanese market? Anyway, does yeah. that make sense? Okay, it does because I've always thought that Tetris was Japanese. It's not. No, yeah. it's, no, it's not. Um, but you're associated probably more to do with Nintendo, yes. who is who's about to come into play. Yes. Now. Okay. Cool. That um, makes sense. So uh, you know, Microsoft sold its rights to Atari. Yeah. Who then sold them on to Sega, and also then sold its console rights to a company called BPS. Who developed Tetris for the Nintendo Famicom? Famicom is known in the US and Europe as the Nintendo Entertainment System or NES, oh, which okay. is a lot more recognizable, yeah, right? Very, very recognizable. But Famicom in, in Japan, because yes. it refers to family computer. Yeah, exactly. okay. sure. um, so now a bunch of companies think they own the rights to Tetris, right? <laughs> yeah, and not only do they think they own rights to Tetris, they own rights to varying different types of Tetris, like Tetris yeah. on the computer, Tetris yeah. on the whatever, right? So, so you no. Know. Meanwhile, the only person seemingly not profiting at this point is still Pajitnov, right? However, also Elog was, un- was unaware 
of all the deals that Stein had made, you know, licensing this game to various studios and various formats, right? And and it's come across to me as I was reading about this that it's not necessarily entirely malicious on Stein's part as much as incompetence. Because he doesn't realise the contracts that he's signing with one organisation don't necessarily entitle him to do other things with other organisations. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. So in 1989, Nintendo was getting ready to release the Game Boy. Yeah. The, the Game Boy, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, settled on Tetris as a good game to release, you know, due to its simplicity and due to the success it's had on the NES, right? Which makes sense, you know, if you think about, like, for example, Wii Sports, right? Wii Sports is a very simple game that everyone exactly. knows how to play. And it made sense to package it with the with yeah. the Nintendo Wii, Which right? one's your favourite Wii Sport? Ooh, um, tennis, I think. Really? It's rare as tennis, yeah. Yeah, that is fun. I, I like the bowling. Of course you do. Of course you do. Um, so anyway, back into the picture comes Hank Rogers. Um, and Hank Rogers has one of the Japanese rights off of Spectrum Holobyte to um, the um, rights to distribute Tetris in the Japan market. So somehow, the American company is selling its Tetris rights in Japan, yes. and the British yeah. company is selling its Tetris rights yeah, to yeah, Japan, yeah. right? So two companies in Japan have this idea that they have the rights to Tetris, right? So anyway, back into the picture comes Hank Rogers, who owns the rights to um, Tetris for another set of consoles, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know... He's quite close friends with the Nintendo president at the time, and decides to try to obtain the rights for the gate to create Tetris for the Game Boy. First, contacting Atari before contacting Stein. Okay, so Stein initially indicated that he'd be happy to he indicated to Hank Rogers that he'd be happy um, to after having contact with Elorg, but then ghosted Rogers essentially, right? And and you know. Anyway, so he's ghosted Rogers, right? And this leads Rogers to suspect that, you know, maybe Stein's contract with Elog wasn't quite as broad as the licenses he was signing, right? Yeah. So Hank Rogers is going, hold on a second. I've just gone to this guy because I want to I want to pay whoever owns the rights to Tetris yeah. money so that I can make it for the Game Boy, right? So he's done everything sort of by the book, right? He's going, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this guy who I've been told by Atari has the rights to sell this, right? Yeah. He's gone to Stein and Stein's gone... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, but I need to go back to the person that I got the rights off of, right? Yeah, and just run it so, by anyway, him. Anyway, so Hank, so Stein's disappeared, and Hank's gone. What's going on? Like this doesn't this doesn't make any sense, right? Um, so you know, Hank Rogers decides to go to the Soviet Union and contact Elorg directly, right? So he yeah. actually goes to Russia. Oh shoot! Okay. Yeah. Gosh. On the same day, right? This is brilliant. I think this is the most movie-worthy <laughs> part, and this is why it does. I think this should, should be. be no, this should be a movie. This yeah. should I, I would watch this. If this had like Hugh Jackman playing like Hank Rogers or something, I would watch that in a heartbeat, okay? So Hank Rogers decides to go to Elog and go to Soviet Union, go to Elog directly. On the same day that Hank went to Elog, uninvited, right? Stein was there with an appointment. As well as Kevin Maxwell with a separate appointment. The US folks. No, who was the head of Mirosoft. Oh right? And Maxwell might sound familiar because he's one of the Maxwell brothers who owns oh. the mirror. Oh. Um, so anyway, so Maxwell, Kevin Maxwell's there mm. with an appointment. Stein is there with an appointment. They both don't know each other's there. Oh and they also gosh. don't know that Hank Rogers is rocked up oh also God. to get the rights, right? There you go. So, you know, Some delightful dramatic irony. Hank's got there and he's got the rights to Tetris for the Game Boy from Nikolai Belikov, who's the president of, B, of, of Elorg, right? Yeah. 
And and so Nikolai Belikov's gone, yeah, yep, cool, yeah, you can have the rights to the Game Boy. Done, right? And then Hanker showed him an existing Tetris game cartridge for the NES. Yeah. Right? He's gone, look at this, like, look at this one, like, for the NES that we've all, that, that Atari are making. Yeah. Right? So the NES is made, is produced by Nintendo, the hardware, but the game for the NES is produced by Atari. Yeah. However, now Nintendo not only want to make the Game Boy, they want to make the, the Tetris game for the Game Boy. Yeah. They don't want Atari to make it, right? So, anyway, Belikov's surprised because he's like, you know, he's surprised that the Tetris game was on the NES as he believed Tetris was only licensed for computers. Yeah. You know, I, I signed this contract saying computer yeah. systems, right? So an argument ensued between Rogers and Maxwell and Stein and Belikov, right? With Maxwell and Stein, Maxwell being the head of the Mirror Group, uh, the Mirror, the Mirrorsoft, and Stein being, um, you know, the guy that originally got hold of the license, accusing Nintendo of illegal publication, right? So we're getting into this real quagmire of intellectual property rights now. Rogers then, by explaining that he had obtained the license from Atari to make the NES game, right? Um, it's like, ugh, I don't know. So, you know, Rogers, Hank Rogers, who who would, had made the NES game for with with um, the Atari rights, mm-hmm. um, re- you know, allowed Belikov to realise that the contract Stein had been signing had resulted in complex chain of licensing and sub licensing, you know, with very different premises for each license. So, Stein had these rights to computer systems. He'd clearly signed a contract that said something like personal computing devices or something like and it sort of spun and spun and spun where interpretations of what they had the rights to publish this this game on had differed very differently from what the LORG and the Soviet Union had originally signed so now we have three companies in Russia competing for the rights to Tetris we've got Henk Rogers who's going like I want it right and he's going I want it for Nintendo you've got uh, you know Kevin Maxwell there who's who's for um Mirasoft Mirasoft. going I want it exactly. right and Stein obviously who doesn't really produce it at all but sub licenses it going I want it yeah. you know I want the rights to this right um so you know at this time however Hank Rogers being a programmer and a developer himself was befriending Pajitnov mm. the original developer right over a game of go which is the board game right uh, and in doing so, won the support of the te- of Tetris creator in the battle for the rights, right? So, you know, Hank Rogers has basically gone, well, you know what? I'm going to let them do their their thing, right? I'm going to go and meet. I'm going to go and meet Pajitnov because I want to meet this guy. He's created this exactly. awesome game. I want to meet him. He sounds, he seems awesome, right? I'm going and he's rocked up and he's, you know, obviously befriended Pajitnov over this game of Go, right? So, Belikov proposes to Rogers that Stein's rights be cancelled wow. and that Tetris rights for both home and handheld devices be offered to Nintendo, right? Yes. So, Nintendo's basically got the clean sweep here of all console, all gaming devices, yeah. ours, right? So, eventually, this deal was agreed for a $500,000 initial fee plus royalties of 50 cents for every cartridge sold, okay? Oh, my gosh. So... Belikov, you know, being this quite shrewd Russian president of Elorg, yeah. has gone, okay, how do we now get this, how do we airtight this contract with Stein, right? How do we make sure that he can't lay claim to this, right? So, you know, you know, Belikov's sort of proposed, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that Stein can't license this. So he's, he's updated Stein's contract and included a clause that defines a computer system as a device with a screen and a keyboard. Okay. okay. 
And then he's added a bunch of other clauses yeah. about payment agreements and yeah. stuff like this. And Stein's just signed it. Yeah. Not really paying any attention to this clause about what a computer system actually is, yeah. right? So all of a sudden, Stein has signed away, essentially, his yeah. right to the compute, to, to anything but the computer version of Tetris, yeah. right? Which, you know, bear in mind, like, this was when the gaming revolution was starting to happen, the personal gaming revolution of hardware in the home, yes. right? So this was the, the, that was the device you wanted it on, right? Um, so now Stein's lost these, the, the rights beside, to the consoles, right? And now things start to turn ugly. So Nintendo contacts Atari in March of 89 uh, and orders them to stop production of Tetris for the NES. You've got to stop. It's ours now. We own it, right? Atari, having licensed it from Mirosoft, uh, contacts Mirosoft, who assures them they still have the rights. Yeah, it's still your rights, right? So Mirosoft's owner, Robert Maxwell, the brother, Mm -hmm. then contacted Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev to encourage him to make Elog cancel his contract with Nintendo. However, you know, Belikov refuses to do this, right? And he says, you know, we got better financial terms from Nintendo, so let's keep our contract with Nintendo, right? So June that year... Nintendo and Atari, you know, they decide to duke it out in court, yeah. right? And they're duking it out in a San Francisco court. And basically the stick that Atari go for is Atari attempts to show that the NES, you know, the device that they originally built Tetris for, but now Nintendo wanted to build Tetris for, was a computer. And the way they wanted to do this was they said, well, it has a little plug-in port where you can add a keyboard to it. Sure. Right. And this was rejected. Yeah. It's a game console, right? They're like, yeah. yo, just because you can add a keyboard doesn't stop it being a, 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 a games console, right? So this argument wasn't accepted by the court. And actually, Belikov and Pajitnov were both flown out to California to help support Nintendo's litigation. Yeah. Right? So they're both out there in California. So. And, you know, as the court battle was raised, you know, naturally, press interest in Pajitnov has grown. And, you know, as the creator of Tetris, you know, it, it was it was through these interviews that Pajitnov actually realized how popular that Tetris had become. You know, so he's inside Russia not realizing that yeah. a war across the West yeah. over corporations, a big gaming corporation. Over his game. Over his game. What year is this? So this is 1989. Wow. Okay. Towards the end. So... Following the settle of the legal battle between Atari and Nintendo, you know, Pajitnov would be flown out to the US to attend the Consumer Electronics Show, to attend all these big game events, all this kind of stuff, right? And during this exposure to American culture, you know, Pajitnov eventually decides to move to the US in 1991. Okay. You know? Wow. Okay. So... Tetris is rolling out on, on Game Boys now. It's mm-hmm. it's out there. And the Game Boy is eternally associated with Tetris, right? Yes, 100%. And, you know, the, the, all of a sudden, wow. Tetris is the thing, right? And everyone knows. And, you know, you've got here Pajitnov, like, seeing his creation out in the world, yeah. seeing it all come, you know, come to life, right? You know, obviously, you know, all of these other fat cats have sort of been cut out. It's 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 Hank Rogers and and, and Nintendo that own and make Tetris now in, in the West, right? And then in April 1996, following on from an agreement made with the Academy 10 years earlier, Pajitnov's rights to Tetris reverted back to him. Yeah. And in June 1996, he founded the Tetris Company uh, with Hank Rogers. Okay. Okay. His go buddy. His go buddy, right? 
And so the Tetris company, now known as Tetris Holdings, slowly regained all the rights to Tetris with the last rights being mobile platforms, which reverted back to Tetris Holdings in April of last year. Wow. What a tale. There you go. What a tale. So, you know, now Pajitnov actually holds all of the rights to the games that he created. Hot day. You know. And obviously, you know, it's it's changed it's a, very much. It's an old-fashioned Cold War story. It's a, it's a Cold War story. And, and more than that, you know, it's a tragedy, really, right? Because the man who created this game, this piece that uh, of art that sort of lives on through many people's memories and will be forever a cultural touchstone, Yeah. spent you know, good 12 years of his life to begin with, you know, unaware of its impact and then not profiting from its impact, right? And it's nice to see one of these stories where eventually... He gets his due. He gets his due, right? And that's why I think this would be a 100% compelling... (laughs) Yeah, hang on. What's your argument with this? My argument is... And what's your title of this this lecture? So my argument is that, you know, there should be a Tetris movie made about this. That's my argument, okay? And I would argue that this is actually my petition to major Hollywood movie studios to appoint me as the screenwriter and let me write this movie, okay? But essentially, you know, I call this Tetris, a tale of joy, greed, and humility. Very nice. And if you're thinking of casting, I was, yeah, like okay. I said, I was thinking Hugh Jackman for, obviously, Hank Rogers. Because I think... The Greatest what, Showman. The Greatest Showman, right. Um, I was thinking, um, we need someone, maybe, who would be a good Russian actor? Mm. You know, we need someone quite like, like someone like Ezra Miller. Mm. I watched Ezra Miller play like a really, like... Like nerdy computer scientist works at a little research institute. Yeah. I don't think he has a big role in all of this show, right? Yeah, this you'd, is the weird. You'd thing. need to cast Stein, and I would go for someone like Richard Madden. Mm. There you go. There you go. Real baddie vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's so my. So wait, t- what happened to Stein? So what happened to Stein? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's sort of he sort of disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I think he sort of continued to do bigger and better things. I, well, I, I think, you know, Getting obviously... Getting his nose meddled in other people's messes. Well, this is the thing, though, right? Like, I don't think... I mean, this is the problem of digital rights as a whole, right? Mm. This entire new asset class that had emerged in the 80s, this idea that ideas were not only a little bit valuable, they were incredibly yeah, valuable, exactly. right? And, and not only could you start investing in them before you'd gotten any kind of permission, yeah. you could kind of ask forgiveness yeah. before you ask for permission exactly. and start sub like yeah. giving the rights yeah. away even though you even but though the original owner didn't this is any this is input. very yeah. very um, you know uh, illustrative mm. of 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 80s you know wheeler dealing economic style right mm. it was a very it was the age of like fat cats making deals they had no right to make yeah in order to hopefully make enough money that they could pay off the cost of actually making that happen. Yeah. Right? And there were some big winners and there were some big losers, right? Sure. You know, and, and, and no less true in the computing market than any other, because the computing market was littered with, like, you know, the corpses of people who tried and failed to play the system. Yes. I mean, do you have any last remarks? No, I just thought it was an incredibly I interesting story. I incredibly interesting. I, I, I don't know 
where the argument was, but I, I was, it was riveting. I was on the edge uh, of my seat, and, and not just because our couches has slippery cushions. And there was also some real like cinematic moments yes. in this, right? Well, I love a good and Cold War tale, particularly, me? yeah. Oh, and I yeah. think, I think the underlying like Cold War narrative yes, as well, I think right? So too. You know, this idea that like uh, even when it went to Russia and was uh, even when it went to the US, it was yeah. developed with the you know like russian aesthetic on it yeah but well not even just that but like kind of i think it illustrates well you know despite obviously the cold war kind of being seen as this uh political battle between two superpowers what the 80s really was was this boom of of like private like corporations taking over you know the kinds of assets and and awareness of of little people right and even though like you said the original tetris uh inventor he you know he and and other people ended up kind of harnessing the rights back and eventually getting some financial success from it it was completely he was completely exploited he was completely taken advantage of and and his rights were irresponsibly thrown around almost to an extent the entirety of the soviet union was taken advantage of right and it was also kind of this idea of what happens when you decide to play such an isolationist game yeah right like what happens when you want to like stand out and do things on your own yeah but invariably you can't just uh you can't you can't fully close yourself right and then what happens right when you have these small businessmen who then sell your own products to larger business people that you're not even aware of and particularly the leak into eastern europe as well right because obviously you know this was this was where the still during the the soviet union but this was where the border existed between you know essentially what the west and the east right this was where this was where stuff was leaking through. Culture mm-hmm. was leaking through into the east, and culture was leaking through from the east into the mm. west. Yeah, I kind of like it. We, okay, so we've been listening, the two of us, we've been listening to My Dad Wrote a Porno quite a bit, and that story, you know, has some strong Cold War vibes, so we've been getting really into it, haven't we? No. Anyways, no. I mean, with that, I, you know, I think your argument could and well first of all I think your title could have been said at the beginning. <laughs> Second of all I think your argument could have been a little stronger. But the tale itself was absolutely riveting. I think it was, you know, well written, well delivered, um and the idea of itself is really cool. I think first of all you have to give me points um for suggesting Tetris. Oh, uh, you're taking credit I'm for my take, work. I'm going to take credit and award myself. First of all, I'm going to award myself a PhD in um, Steinology. In, in, Steinology. <laughs> in topic um, assignment. Um, but I'm also going to award you a PhD in video game history from Trent University. Woof. Yes. I love it. I like Good. it. Yeah. Um, so before we sign off, why don't you give me the uh next topic and then we will share our uh media social media info and then log off anyway yes so my word for you is utopia my word for you is no actually no i've changed my mind no my word for you is utopianism okay okay all right that's my that's my word for you okay there you go okay so uh listeners if you enjoyed that wonderful presentation uh by adam uh and you enjoy this episode then you can check out first of all the rest of uh living la viva voce 
um, at basically any uh, podcast. Yeah, anywhere you, know, you want. Anywhere yeah, you Spotify, want, right? Apple, Podcast, Apple Google, Google Podcast, whatever. whatever, right? Just smash that subscribe button. Exactly. Leave a review, share it with your friends. Um, if you want to visit our social media pages, you can check us out on Twitter at LiveInViva, L-I-V-I-N-V-I-V-A, or our Facebook page, Live in La Viva Voce, for um, updates on um, future topics, on when episodes will be released, as well as what we're drinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yes. So, without any further ado, mm-hmm. I've been Adam. I've been Meg. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.